0: Let's see, a long time ago when I was in seminary, a long time ago, I won't be too detailed here, but uh, in my seminary time, there was a a lot of changes going on in the life of the seminary and the life of the church, um, and preaching was being rethought a lot. The field of what, you know, homiletics, preaching and leading worship, there was a lot of new ideas about how to preach. And I was told early on that the three point sermon. Is gone. The three-point sermon is gone. Well, that's interesting. Uh, I wasn't even sure, first of all, what that was. <laughs> but you know, the tradition here is that there's there's these three points uh, that you teach in the sermon. This was a guide. Well, the new fad was the narrative sermon, the story. Three, nothing against three points, but don't focus on the points. Focus on the flow, on the story so that when people leave the room, they're not trying to keep up with three points, but they're, they're, they're walking away with a theme in mind that's connected and focused and unified. Well, I love that form of preaching, but here come your three points. <laughs> and uh, let me see if I can put this clearly, because uh, sometimes I think making three points helps those that wonder, what did he say today? A uh, first point, at the heart of the nature of God, ooh, Is love duh but really now at the heart of God's nature God's essential nature as we understand it from the scriptures from our church from our life is love I mean who's going to argue with that love at the center of the very being of God point number two that love and I've picked three things out here now here's I'm into three today apparently God's love is huge, huge. It is everlasting, it never ends. And here's the third one that's the focus of today. It is deeply sacrificial. That third one, sometimes people go, well now I'm not against that, but what do you really mean by God's love? Obviously it's huge, it's beyond our imagination. It's not beyond our reach but it's beyond our imagination. Can we imagine how great the love of God is? We can imagine, but it's so much larger than we would ever understand. Hugeness characterizes the great love of God. Well, point number two, it is those three things, three of others, but three I'm naming, uh, huge and then it is, uh, it's, it's always there. It's eternal, it never ends. It's an ongoing love, which we've been singing about this morning. Great is the faithfulness. Great is the compassion that continues on forever. But that third part, what does it mean to say that God's love is sacrificial? We're going to talk about that today. The love of God is by nature a giving love. And if you question that, take a look at the gift of Jesus Christ. How about that for sacrificial love? Now, when we talk about the love of God as being all those things, especially sacrificial, we need to remember that the whole Bible testifies to that. There are some people that think, well, the sacrificial nature of God and the love of God in Christ, that's in the New Testament. Well, it is. But the love that is proclaimed in the New Testament, the love of Christ, is linked to the love of God that's been here forever. It's not as though suddenly love appeared in Jesus Christ. But Jesus, who was the Word made flesh in the beginning, was love from the start. So we need to look at the full landscape of love throughout the whole of Scripture. And it used to bother me, quite frankly, when I would run into Christians who would talk about love, and they'd go, well, the New Testament's the book of love, the Old Testament is the book of judgment. It's got the heavies. Uh, And there's a lot of heavies in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures, the woes and the the judgment is, is pretty consistent in many of the books, if not really all of the books in the Old, we call it the Old Testament, it's the, really the Hebrew Scriptures. But beneath those difficult passages is the story of a great love from start to finish. So the love of God permeates all of Scripture. In the year 1096, in the city of Worms, Germany, there was a rabbi who confronted and embraced the love of God as he learned it from the Hebrew scriptures. He wrote a beautiful poem called "Hatamut." It extolled God. This is what it said. O oh love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. God's love so sure shall still endure. How measureless and strong. Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill, and every one a scribe by trade, to writ the love of God above, would drain the ocean dry? Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. I find that quite beautiful. Rabbi caught up with the love of God. And over the years in the Jewish tradition during the Feast of Shavuot, which is the Feast of Weeks that the Jewish people celebrate, that's red. And it's a reminder of what the scriptures say about the great love of God. Well in 1917 a Christian minister named Frederick Layman came upon that poem. He was so moved by it he wrote a hymn called The Love of God is Greater Far. I don't know if you've ever sung that here. It's not a real familiar hymn to me, but it talks about how far and wide and huge the love of God is. But that love has become real to us. It is the love of us and our love for God. The, the term in the Jewish tradition in the Aramaic uh, and ancient languages, the term to capture this love is called hesed. H e s. Most people have not heard the word hesed because it doesn't translate directly into English. The closest thing we have in the English language is loving kindness. But hesed is used over 250 times throughout the Hebrew scriptures. So it must matter. This is the love of God that i talked about in my first point. His love is is so essential to his nature. Again we know this but to realize that love is at the heart of the nature of God is a powerful not just insight but revelation. So throughout scripture in the Old Testament we see hesed emerge. The people keep falling short. The covenant that God keeps is everlasting and strong. He always loves with a faithful love. His hesed, his divine character is love. And the people respond and they grow in love, but then the covenant is broken time and again. This is the story of the scriptural Old Testament. Covenant broken, covenant restored. Covenant broken, covenant restored. Now this concept of Hesed is there all along, but we come to the prophets. In the prophetic part of the scriptures, uh, both the minor and major prophets, Hesed as a concept of God's love really takes off. And there's so many examples here. The love of Hosea for for Gomer. Some of you know about that. His love, Hosea's love, who loves the prostitute, the adulterer, that God commands him to love. And he keeps loving even though he is not loved back. Then there's Isaiah, lots of passages in Isaiah. And then comes Jeremiah. What we're going to do now is to look at a portion of Jeremiah. Let's go ahead and put put it up at this point. Jeremiah. Okay? Jeremiah has described in the earlier part of, the, of his writings uh, Hesed. God's loving kindness, his faithful love, that is huge and broad and suffering. But he comes to this part of the book where he talks about the covenant being restored, where love is made real again. Hesed becomes real. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. With the people of Israel and of Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors uh, when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant though I loved them as a husband loves his wife says the Lord. But this is the new covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after those days says the Lord. I will put my instruction deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors nor will they need to teach their relatives saying you should know God for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. Jeremiah 31 verses 31 through 34. So here's the covenant restored. I picked that part of the Hebrew scriptures to illustrate God's enduring love that is established through the covenant. Now the covenant love of God is always there, it's steady. But again, the people come and go like we do. So this is the covenant of love that is based upon divine Hesed. And it's sacrificial because God in order to provide this covenant has to love His people through the most difficult of times. And you say well of course God can do that because His love is boundless. But imagine if you will like the parent with a child or anyone you care about who they keep breaking the covenant. They keep demonstrating the opposite of what a loving life is. Well over time it breaks your heart. You ever had your heart broken? When a child or a friend or someone you love they just can't get it whatever it is they move away from the love of god and their life becomes difficult and tragic it breaks your heart picture if you will god's heart being broken by the rejection some people have a hard time picturing that i do god's heart being broken this is god whose love is everlasting and powerful whose Loving kindness is constant. How could God's heart actually be broken but the scriptures declare that it is? Now God himself is not broken apart. God is God. But his love for us is so great that when we turn from him, from his love offered beautifully, it hurts. Again, it's hard for us to grasp a hurting God and yet God grieves for his people. So to understand Hesed, divine love, you have to enter into the sacrificial dimension of love. And you picture God, holy, almighty, everlasting, and sovereign over all. The same God who loves us deep within and whose heart is broken for us, but is mended and made whole, if you will, when we respond in covenant love. And when you think about this notion of sacrificial love that we're talking about here, where God has entered into the sacrifice of his people, he's not just out there, he's also here, we think of the, the new covenant. So what does that mean for the new covenant? The New Testament, the love of God. But if you look at it through the sacrificial theme, and you look at scripture, you go, wait a minute, that's what that scripture really says. And now we turn to the second scripture, John 3, 16 and 17. Now, everybody knows John 3, 16, and most people know 17. But read it now through the eyes of suffering love. God who gives his heart. whose heart is broken. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. Again, we've heard this many times but notice how that, let's let's put it back up again if you don't mind. Notice how this is how God loved the world, always loved it with a huge love. He gave his one and only son, that's Jesus of course, but that's him. Jesus is God. Think about that, that he gave his life away. He, God, see it reads a little differently. The God of almighty power and omnipotent this and that who's, who's so far beyond us is with us and he gave us his life in Jesus Christ. When you read it sacrificially, you feel the love of God more deeply, at least it seems to me. And so that everyone who, in this translation says believes, I prefer the word trusts. Because it's really a little bit more than just cognitive belief. It's trusting your life with the life of God. See how when you look at the scripture through the eyes of sacrificial love, how deep and powerful it is. And there's so many other examples in the New Testament. And certainly the life of Jesus himself, the love that he demonstrated, talk about a sacrificial love. Jesus lived sacrificial love all his life. But if you want to really capture a passage that shows what this sacrificial love looks like most beautifully, we move to the final scripture. All right, this is the parable of the prodigal son. Although some scholars say it's really the parable of the loving father. Don't just focus upon the son, What does it say about the love of the Father? And there's one scholar I ran into that said, oh, it's the parable of the reuniting family. That's an interesting title for this parable. Did this family reunite? Is this not where we have the older brother who did not get into the party? And yet, because of the Father's love, a new family is being formed. So let's walk through this as we conclude a little bit longer here meanwhile and you've heard this before but but notice what the story says about love Meanwhile the older son was in the fields working when he returned home he heard music and dancing in the house and he asked one of the servants what was going on your brother is back he was told and your father has killed the fatted calf now. Maybe I should go over the context of this to be clear. You know, this is the story where they're the two sons and one son leaves and goes out to explore the world and take his inheritance with him. The other son who's been faithful and strong stays there. So this son has gone and lived in squalor, uh, utter filth, has lost everything, but turns his heart back home and comes back and is welcomed back. And the older brother who's observing this in some way sees this happening. He sees a father who is running towards the returning son. Running with his eyes amazed. This father who could have done otherwise has chosen the way of love because the father loves both. So the fundamental story is the story of returning love and of sacrificial love that is demonstrated by the father's not simply going whatever or come on in when you're ready, but the father has actually run to be with and welcome the son who has done such wrong. Huge is the love of the father. Well, here is the older brother who comes and arrives when this is happening, the celebration of love. Yet what's going on here? We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and would not go in. Well, I don't think I would. Would you? Am I welcomed? What's the deal here? This doesn't feel fair. Oh, I'm all for love, but come on now. There is conditions to the love. And yet the love of God is unconditional. So what happens next? Father came out. He begged him all these years he says I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing that you told me to do and in all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes you celebrate by killing the fatted calf his father said to him and notice here is the the portrayal of of that huge, eternal, and sacrificial love. Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but he is now found. Wow, that's compassion that's compassion and loving kindness hesed is really compassion and that brings us to the new testament term that sums it up beautifully it's called agape agape is the new testament version of hesed in the hebrew scriptures agape is the love of god agape c.s. lewis says takes the other loves and brings them to their height agape love is the love of god made known in Jesus Christ and here is C.S. Lewis's way of putting it and this is the sacrificial dimension that is true for this love. You and I should give to the point of sacrifice in our love for the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. Love that is only convenient and conditional is not love. To love is to go out of your way, to be inconvenienced to sacrifice for the sake of another. Let our hearts break together and provide love for each other. And the writer Anne Lamont, well known spiritual writer, refers to it as cruciform love because it's in the cross of Christ that this comes together. She says cruciform love is praying for those who persecute us, it's loving the stranger, It's advocating for the image of God in every human being and embracing those who are different. We are here to learn to endure the beams of love, of sacrificial love. And this story that we've just heard illustrates it beautifully. The father who extends the love so wide that both the brothers are loved and welcomed into the family. When Henry Nouwen, the great spiritual writer and thinker, visited a portrait of that prodigal son, done by Rembrandt. Rembrandt actually did a painting of that. And it's hanging in a museum somewhere in Eastern Europe. Henry Nouwen visited that, and he sat under it for four hours. And as he did, he began to feel the love that must have been there. The love of the father permeated, who ran to embrace his son. The love of the son who had been lost, but was found and restored. The image in this painting was quite vivid. Now the other brother in the painting was still holding back in this particular scene. But it looked almost as if the older brother was wanting to enter in. And we assume that down deep he did. Once he overcame his resentment, we'd like to think the reunion occurred. We don't know that. But God's love is so huge, it is so eternal, and it is so sacrificial that it never dies. It always invites the stranger back. And when we are the stranger, when we have turned from God and lost our borings, there is a way back. hesed, agape, loving kindness, and compassion but it always involves some kind of sacrifice. Now sacrifice may sound like an overwhelming thing to you. There are big sacrifices we have to make and and I don't look forward to those. They're often very costly. But most sacrifices that we make in our lives aren't the huge ones, there are those. But if we live sacrificially day to day and give ourselves away as Christ has given himself away, we begin to grow a sacrificial love, and a more compassionate way of living. So my charge for you and me, I conclude a sermon usually with a charge, is to go forth and live sacrificially this week. How can you this week, and I and all of us, step out of perhaps a comfort zone, a place of safety or maybe a fear, and grow even a little bit in sacrificial love? Is it not possible that you will be presented this week, or soon, with an opportunity to love? And it might be uncomfortable at first. It might involve a sacrifice, an adjustment. Is it possible that you can be positioned for that, and I, so that when it happens, we are really ready to step out of the comfort zone, the place of fear and holding back, and extend ourselves in love to the other. This is my prayer that as we cultivate sacrificial love, Hesed and agape in life, and step forth into the beautiful world of compassion, it will not only benefit the other, but it will actually benefit us because we will grow wider into the great love of God, which is forever huge and always sacrificial. Let us pray. God your love is huge we rejoice in that your love is enduring wow thank goodness for that never dies always grows help us Lord to understand how your love is sacrificial your heart has been broken for us you have loved us with an everlasting love and in your broken heart you're grieving for us you love us more than ever although you've always loved us May we feel that love, and as we do, stretch ourselves into the way of compassion and of sacrifice to live for Christ and Christ in us. This is our hope and our prayer offered in the confidence and the joy of Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. Amen.